Well, good morning, good morning. It is so good to see all of you guys here. Thank you so much for being a part of what God is doing right here at Crosstown. Whether you're joining us online or you're here in person, it is good to kick off the new year uh, worshiping God together, isn't it? Let's give another shout out for that this morning. It is, it's so awesome. To, to be able to do that. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, I just wanna take a second to introduce myself. My name is Stacy McLean, and I um, have the privilege of being on staff here at Crosstown and being a part of the teaching team. And so I'm thrilled to be able to open up this new year with sharing with you this morning what God's been sharing with me and what God's been sharing with Pastor Paul. So if you were able to join us online only, which you know, we did an online only service last week, so I hope you guys enjoyed maybe sleeping in a little bit, but I hope you took a minute to watch that service because last week, Pastor Paul did a message called Exposure 2020. And in that message, he was telling us that we had been exposed. During 2020, some things had been exposed and not necessarily exposure to the virus because honestly, isn't that really what's all on our mind right now? I mean, how many times do you think about COVID in an hour, right? It, it especially as you're getting ready, coming to church in the morning or not coming because of COVID. But he talked to us about how 2020 exposed some things in our life personally, how God used the events of the last year to really bring about and bring to light some things that maybe we were struggling with. And then he taught us that we need to remove the shame, we need to restore what we lost, and we need to move forward. And I think those are three really good things for us to focus on as we go into this new year is really removing the shame. For too long, too many of us have tried to avoid coming back into this building because of the shame of what we haven't done or what we should be doing. And now is the time, like he taught us last week, to stop that, to remove the shame because there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So if you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no shame. There is no shame that you have to carry. So remove that. And then I love what he taught us about restoring what we lost. There's a lot of loss that came out of 2020. There are big losses and there are small losses. But I think now is the time for us to move into restoring what was lost. We need to take back some ground. There was ground that was taken from us. And he reminded us last week, we need to take that ground back. We need to start not trying to survive, but thriving. And we're going to learn how to do that and how to move forward. Because I think, honestly, the reality is, if you are listening to this this morning, if you are here or you're joining us online, you really do not want to stay in the shame and the destruction and the disappointment that 2020 offered to so many of us. I really think that you're here because you're hoping 2021 will be better. I'm hoping 2021 will be better. And so if we're all sitting in that together and we're hoping that this new year is going to be better than what we experienced in 2020, then I think the question that is posed to us today and what I really want to spend some time looking at today is where are we placing our hope? Where are we placing our hope? Because I think for a lot of us, we think about this idea of hope and where we place our hope. And sometimes our hope gets misplaced. 
Have any of you ever misplaced anything in your life or is it just me that constantly can't find anything? Can I tell you how many times I have walked around my house in the last couple of weeks going, hey, where, where, are the, where are the scissors? Where's the tape? Where's the wrapping paper? Where are my keys? So a few weeks ago, it's probably been about a month or so ago, somebody asked to borrow our ear mattress. Well, our ear mattress always stays in a drawer at the end of my bed. And so I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. I go and I open the drawer and the air mattress was not there. It had been misplaced. I tore my house apart for days and could not find it. I went in closets, I went in cabinets, I looked through our cars, I looked in our garage, I looked everywhere. And so I had to tell my friends, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to sleep on the floor because you can't borrow my air mattress because it's been misplaced, I don't know where it is. And then a couple of weeks ago, my son comes up and he goes, hey mom, you know that air mattress you spent all that time looking for? It's in my closet. It was misplaced under a bunch of stuff in his closet. I mean, his closet's bad, but mine's even worse. We, we have an issue with closets in our house. But, but I'd misplaced that air mattress. And so when I needed it, it did me no good because it wasn't in the right place. And I think for a lot of us, we've misplaced our hope in the wrong places. We've put our hope in things that are going to fade, that are not going to last. We have put our things, our hope in temporal, not in the imperishable. And I think God is calling us to move the place of our hope. For a lot of us, we have placed our hope in the flipping of the day of a calendar. I think more people were more hopeful about this past New Year's Eve than you've ever been in your whole life because you were hoping that when January 1st, 2021 hit, bad things would quit happening. The virus would be gone. Well, we've gone through January 1st. Has much changed for you if that's where you were putting your hope? I think for a lot of us, we're putting our hope in this vaccine. And the vaccine is a good thing. And I am thankful to the good Lord that he has given us people who have learned in such a short period of time how to use science to come up with a vaccine. But if we're putting our hope in this vaccine alone, it is going to disappoint us. Some of us are putting our hope in the stimulus check that we've just gotten or that we're about to get. Jesus Christ is the only real stimulus. That stimulus check is going to run out again. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Some of us are putting our hope in the new president. We're hoping that this new administration is going to change some of the political landscape that we're facing. But again, our only real hope comes from Christ alone because he is the only one who has the transformative power to do away with social injustice and racial inequality. He's the only one who has the power to transform. And so I think for a lot of us, we've put our hope in the wrong places. And I think it's understandable because this is the time of the year where we start creating resolutions. I mean, everyone talks about our New Year's resolutions. And I think those are good things to do. I typically am not a resolutions person because I have discovered in myself that my resolutions are more like kind of wishful thinking. And I think honestly, the world's definition of hope is more of this wishful thinking. And I don't think that it's wishful in the sense that they're wishing or we're wishing for something that couldn't be achieved, but wishing in the sense that it lacks confidence, it lacks assurance. And so I think a lot of us, you know, have set out some resolutions to maybe live a healthier lifestyle. I honestly, in our family, we just talked about that last night, that we want to eat better we really do. We want to be better, live better, eat better. But 
we might wait till like Monday or maybe after the seven days of prayer and fasting or, you know, I don't know, maybe after Easter, we'll actually do it. But, but we kind of want to do that. Maybe some of us have some professional goals. On New Year's Eve, we sat around as a family and we talked about what our professional goals were, what our spiritual goals were, what our personal goals are. Those are great things to have. But I think sometimes when we sit around and we think about those resolutions and we talk about them apart from Christ, you know what happens? We get tired, we get worn out, we get exhausted. Has anyone come to the end of 2020 and moving into 2021 and you're like, I'm kind of running out of steam. I am tired, I'm worn out, I'm feeling exhausted. Has fatigue kicked in for anyone else other than me? Because I'll tell you, that's how I feel. I feel like I need an infusion of strength. I need a renewal. And where does that come from? The only place that is gonna come from is when we place our hope in the Lord. We are gonna have to place your hope in the Lord. That's the only thing that is gonna sustain us. And don't worry, we're gonna look in just a few minutes at defining what I'm talking about when I say place your hope in the Lord, because I'm not telling you to place a wish or a desire in the Lord, but a hope. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But if you're feeling worn out, if you're feeling, feeling a little bit tired this morning, I want to show you through scripture exactly what's going to happen when you place your hope in the Lord. We've got several different scriptures that I'm going to be reading out of the Old Testament and the New Testament today. The notes are in the app. You can follow along. And I really want to prove to you that I'm not making this up. It's not something that I just thought, this sounds good. This sounds like something that I should tell people. No, what I want to prove to you today is what God's word says to us, because that's where our hope comes from. That is the only real sustaining hope we're going to have. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Have any of you walked 25,000 steps in a day? You're faint at the end of that, aren't you? Have any of you ever run for a long period of time or even a short period of time like myself and you get tired and weary? But what does God's word says? It says those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. If you need an infusion of strength this morning, then you need to place your hope in the Lord because that's where our strength comes from. That's where our, our endurance is going to come from. It's when we put our hope in the Lord. But for too long, myself included, I have misplaced my hope. I have put my hope in the end of this virus. I have put my hope in the end of all that we've seen going on in the last year. I mean, I, how many times have I said, I am just ready for this virus to be over? But you know what? I don't want this to end one minute sooner than God has finished accomplishing all that he can accomplish through me, through this situation. If he's got something for me to learn, then what I want is renewed strength. I wanna place my hope in him so I can run this race set before me with endurance, without growing weary and tired. Because Isaiah also says, he is a God who will never grow weary and tired. Even youth fall faint and grow weary and tired. I have two teenagers in my house and they get tired, but God says, I am a God who will never get tired. So if you place your hope in me, your strength will be renewed. So we don't need resolutions going into 2021. We need the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to move into 2021. 
Resolutions are things that will probably fade away by February, if they even make it to then. But the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is alive and active. And God's word tells us that it is alive in us. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in each and every one of us if we have given our life to Christ. That very power that raises the dead to life is the power that resides in us. So what we are called to do is to become the living hope through Jesus Christ. And again, I'm not making this up. Look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of the mercy of God, because of God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. It is not something on my own doing. I am not going to have enough resolve in myself to do this on my own. There's not enough grit in my body and in my bones to do it. I have to allow the mercy of God to fill me up because he's caused me to be a living hope. So it's from the mercy of God that all our hope begins, according to Charles Spurgeon. I just love that quote, that really it's God's mercy that brings about the beginning of our hope, that we then place in him and have our strength renewed. So the definition that we're working with today for biblical hope is this. Biblical hope is living in the assurance of the fulfillment of the unseen promises of God. Let that settle in for a minute because it's living in the assurance. Do you see how that's different than wishful thinking? We hope that this is gonna happen. I mean, I really hope I eat better in 2021, but that is a little bit more wishful than the assurance of the fulfillment because God has not promised me in his word that I'm going to eat better in 2021. So it really is a little bit more of wishful thinking, but the hope is living in the assurance in complete confidence in the unseen fulfillment of the promises of God. In the unseen fulfillments, that means that even when we don't see it, God is moving and working. And I think for a lot of us, 2020 was a time of the unseen. I really do. I, I think if I had to describe 2020, it would be unseen. We could have gone half the year and been, and been unseen by other people. You could have easily stayed in your house and been unseen. But in that unseenness, God was working the entire time. He is fulfilling what he has always said. His promises are true and they are sure and they are steadfast and we can rest in those promises. But how do we do that? Because that's the hard part is living in the unseen. Isn't it hard to keep going when you don't see any result when you're, I know, Lord, but I've been praying. Lord, I, I've been seeking you, but I'm not seeing anything happen. And so what I want to do today is look at a passage of the Apostle Paul writing. Now, I know that he did not live through 2020, but I want you to listen as I start reading this passage out of 2 Corinthians. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. 2 Corinthians 1, I'll be reading verses 8 through 11. And we're going to take a minute to kind of slow down and look at this passage of Scripture. It's almost like the Apostle Paul was coming to the end 
of a really bad year and where he's going and what his plan is. And I think this would be a great blueprint for us moving forward into 2021. So we're going to take a few minutes and read it and then just dissect it. Listen as I read what he says as he reflects back on his past and looks forward to his future. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Anybody despaired of life itself in 2020? Anybody been so overwhelmed with burden? Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. Don't you love that language? He did deliver us and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Did you catch that in verse nine? Listen to what it says again in verse nine. We felt we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. See, any suffering that we have gone through, any trial, anything that we have done, it can expose that we've been relying on ourselves. And it's not for us to rely on ourselves, on our own resolve, but on the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. He, he's showing us right there that, you know, this suffering exposed that they were relying on themselves. So we need to ask ourselves, have we been relying on ourselves to do better, be better, live better in 2021? Stop relying on ourselves to do it and allow the resurrection of Christ to come through and to be the catalyst for the change. But the other thing the Apostle Paul is doing here is he pondered the past. So at verse 10 talks about how he says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will deliver us. And we've set our hope that he will deliver us again. He pondered the past. I'm not saying dwell in the past. I'm not saying ponder in the past, stay in the past. But I think some of us need to look back on the events that happened in 2020. And we need to drop to our knees and we need to praise God for the things that did not happen, for the unseen moments. I think those types of praises get lost in my life. I I don't think that I've spent enough time in the last year praising God for the things that didn't actually happen because both of my children got COVID, but both of my children recovered from COVID. Not everybody can say that who's been diagnosed with COVID. And have I gotten on my knees and praised God for the deliverance from the illness for my kids? I think a lot of us need to ponder the past and look back and say, God delivered me. God delivered me from this. God delivered me from disappointment. God delivered me from disobedient. God delivered me from despair. God delivered me from depression. And maybe it was only for a day, but he is a God who delivers. And we need to ponder the past to praise him. So I really want us to take some time, and I'm going to challenge myself to do this, to write down some things that I'm going to praise God for that did not even happen in 2020, and some things that did actually happen in 2020. My husband got a new job in 2020. That's a good thing. I was very thankful for that. We weren't sure that was going to happen, but it did. So think back over the last year and begin to ponder the past to praise God. That's one of the things that the Apostle Paul shows us through that. You know, 
I don't know how you guys went through the Christmas holidays, but it was different. Wouldn't you say it was different this year? You know, um, growing up, my mom used to sometime after Thanksgiving, but before like the middle of December, she would just go running through the house saying, I got it, I got it, I got it. And that meant she had the Christmas spirit and then we could all commence with decorating and doing the Christmas things. And this year I kept waiting for that. I got it, I got it, I got it feeling. And it never came for me. I mean, we had Christmas and it was nice, um, but I never got that real giddy, joyful excitement But I can tell you, my family came to church on Christmas Eve, and it was one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard in my life. I cried through the entire service because God was reminding me, as I apologized to him for not having the giddy excitement, that it's not about the feeling, but it's about the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if you're looking back and you're thinking, you know, I just didn't have that, I didn't get that, be reminded that it's the power of the resurrection that makes all the difference. Even when the feelings fade, even when the feelings aren't there, sometimes we're just not going to feel it. Our feelings are going to lie to us sometimes differently than what the reality is. And then look back at verse 11. I love this verse too, because after the apostle Paul has basically said, we were given a death sentence. We almost died. We thought we were going to die. God delivered us because he wanted to remind us not to rely on ourselves. He's going to deliver us again. We're putting our hope in him. And then the apostle Paul turns to his audience, because remember, this is a letter he's writing. He's turning to his audience, to those who are going to hear this letter. And he says, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And I think that leads us to the last thing that our last point today about patiently prepare in prayer. We need to patiently be preparing in prayer. When is the last time you earnestly reached out to someone and asked them to pray for you? When's the last time that you knew that you needed prayer and you reached out and asked for someone to pray for you. See, I'm not big into that because then that exposes some of my weaknesses and then that exposes my pride and then the list goes on and on. And so one of the things that God's challenging me to do is to reach out and to ask people to pray for me in the everyday, in the big, and in the small. When's the last time you've asked someone, hey, how can I pray for you? What are some specific things that I can do to pray for you? I think what God's trying to teach us through this and what the Apostle Paul is demonstrating is that we are to partner with others in this prayer, that we're supposed to be praying and patiently preparing for the future in this um, time and in this season. We need to start writing down our prayers. We need to keep asking God over and over again. And, and it, we really are gonna have to be patient in it. It's not gonna happen all at once. Again, there's a lot going on in the unseen and we need to wait patiently. We need to be able to wait. One of the words for hope when it gets defined, um, the Hebrew word for hope has lots of meanings. And one of those is to wait with an expectancy and a confidence. It's that patient waiting. And we do that through the process of prayer. Listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8, 24 and 26. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. 
Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There's that confidence assurance. Do you hear that? That is not wishful thinking. That is not, I hope God saves the day. I hope God saves the day means that when I don't know how to pray, that the Spirit of God is going to intercede with groanings that are too deep for words. When I can't express it, I can put my hope in the Lord. And his word says that his Spirit will intercede. He will pray for me with groanings too deep for words. Have any of you been pushed to the point of despair this year that you didn't even have words to describe what was going on, what you were seeing, what you were hearing? Some of the pictures that came across when it was the year in review for 2020, some of those pictures expressed so much emotion that there were no words to describe it. But we know that we can hope in the Lord and in his spirit that will go before us and he will pray and intercede on our behalf. And so we need to wait. You know, I think for a lot of us, we feel like, yeah, I've been praying. I've been asking God to do X, Y, Z. I've asked God to restore my marriage. I've asked God to heal my loved one. I've asked God to give me a new job. I've asked God to open a door for me. And we get discouraged because we haven't seen anything happening. We get discouraged because we feel like nothing has changed. But the reality is we're here, aren't we? We're alive, aren't we? If you're hearing this today, you have breath in your lungs. And if you have breath in your lungs, you have hope in your heart. If you have the ability to hear this today, then there's got to be hope in your heart. I think waiting patiently is difficult for us. Our society trains us the faster the better. God is not a God of speed. He is a God of timing. He is the creator and author of time. He is in charge of time. And he runs on his own time. And he is not a sprinter. I mean, look, it's been over 2,000 years since Jesus Christ came, and the world isn't looking a whole lot better to me, but God is patiently waiting, and we are waiting because Christ is coming back, but God is in the waiting. God is there with us in the waiting. I think for a lot of us, we want a microwave dinner answer to our prayers. We want to put it in the microwave, and we want our rice to be ready in 90 seconds. My husband and I had this funny conversation about rice on New Year's Day because you got to eat Hoppin' John's. He's like, we got rice? I'm like, yeah, we got rice. 90-second rice is the only rice you get because why would you not do 90-second rice? And he's like, no, no, we need, like, dry rice that we're going to boil over time. And I was like, ain't nobody got time for that, man. But you know what the reality is? His rice took a lot longer, but it tastes so much better. God is not into a microwave answer to your prayers. Sometimes he wants to slow cook those things because he knows that you will be enriched in the process of drawing near to him over and over and over again. If he answered us every single time right away, then we would not continue seeking him every single time and pressing in. It's in those moments of waiting. It's in that slow cooking where we are truly enriched in the presence of God. And so if you haven't gotten an answer to your prayer, continue preparing for the future patiently in prayer and asking others to partner with you in that. And then the last thing today is partner with others. God is asking us to partner with others. He does not want us to do this alone. 
God does not want us to run this life alone. But this year, this past year, more than any other year, I had never heard of contactless delivery in my life. Who would want contactless delivery? But now every single commercial, and even on our church website, we've got contactless entry for you. I mean, and those are things that we're just used to hearing. Curbside pickup, isolation, quarantine, social distancing. How many of us cringe when we see people hug on TV because we're like, oh, wait, we're not supposed to do that, you know? I mean, this year, more than ever, it has been ingrained in your mind, whether you realize it or not, stay away from people, stay isolated, stay in quarantine, have contactless delivery, have curbside pickup, have it delivered to your door. And a lot of us, and I mean this in the most loving way, but a lot of us have turned church into curbside pickup and contactless delivery. We just wanna get something delivered to our inbox. We just wanna watch something on TV and move on about our day. And he is not a contactless God. He is a God who is in contact with us. He is intimately acquainted with every single one of us. He is God with us. We just came out of Christmas learning and remembering he is Emmanuel, God with us. He wants contact and he wants us to partner with others. And I understand some of us have to stay home because we are at high risk or we have illnesses that prevent us from gathering together. But that does not mean you have to stay contactless. We are called to partner with others. And if you're staying home because you're just afraid, God wants to challenge that fear today because perfect love casts out all fear. And if you're staying home just because you are afraid, God wants to challenge you because maybe you are the living hope for someone else. See, we want what we can get sometimes from church. I understand that. I came on Christmas Eve and I wanted Pastor Paul to deliver a message to me. I didn't wanna have to do anything. I just wanted to receive and I understand that. But sometimes God is saying, hey, Stacy." You're the answer to somebody's prayer. Get up and be the living hope. Go out and encourage. Go out and tell them that I love them. Speak truth over them. And maybe God is saying that to you, that if you have stayed away and you have tried to isolate and socially distance yourself, this is the time to break those walls down because you can be the living hope for someone else. Don't think about coming to church or joining a small group because of what you're going to get out of it. But what is God going to do through you to encourage those around you? Because we are the body of Christ working together, not in isolation. We each, every single one of us have unique gifts that God has given us. And he wants you to use your gift. I cannot use your gift for you. I mean, honestly, Ricky is unable due to protocol to be with us today, okay? And so um, when Pastor Paul and I were talking about it, I said, well, you know, I could just do worship. He was like, that is not your gifting. No, you cannot do worship. Stay in your lane, bro. So I'm going to stay in my lane and I'm going to use my gift, but I want you to get in your lane and use your gift too, because we are called to partner with others. And so in January, on January 17th, we're going to be doing our small group kickoff. We're going to have online groups and in-person groups, but they're going to be groups where you connect with other people to partner with them in prayer, to press in, to put our hope in the Lord, because we are that living hope. That is what we're called to do. Um, whew, I'm just, I mean, I, sorry, I just get into it because it's what the Lord's been laying on my heart over and over again. And I think a lot of times when we're hurting and we're, you know, isolated and people are sitting here thinking, you may be thinking, but she doesn't know how bad it is for me. She doesn't know how depressed I am. She doesn't know how much I'm struggling with fear, depression, isolation, anxiety, disappointment. But listen 
to what the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, God is bringing comfort to our hearts. And if you are desperate for his comfort, ask him for it. Ask him because he tells us in his word over and over again, anything that we ask according to his will will be given to us. It's assurance. So you do not have to wish or, you know, maybe think that God's going to comfort you. If you are hurting, ask God to give you comfort. I know. I have experienced it. I remember standing in my closet begging God to give me comfort and immediately the comfort of God overwhelmed me. But with that comfort, he's saying, now go be my comfort to those around you because God is the author of that comfort. So we have been misplacing our hope for too long. I think for too many of us, myself included, the reason I'm passionate about this message is because God's taught me this message. It's a message I'm living out. It's not a message that I'm pointing out. It's a message that is coming from within that God is teaching me. For too long, I have misplaced my hope in things that will fade. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And we can place our hope in his word. So as we move into this time of expressions, um, one of my favorite verses is Colossians 1:27, And it just talks about how God wants people from all backgrounds to understand the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the good news. And it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is asking us, he is calling us, he is telling us it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So as we move into this time of expressions, we need to start asking ourselves some questions, asking God some questions, and then asking others. So again, these are in the notes um, under our app section. I just encourage you to look back on them. But as we move into this time of expressions, ask yourself, are you living like you have the power of God in your life? Are you living your life every day as if you have the resurrection power of God in your life? The answer to that for me is a flat no. I have not been living that way every single day. Instead of feeling shameful about it, ask God one step that you can take today to live in the assurance of the fulfillment of his promises. Ask him, God, what is one step I can take today? He's not going to tell you 10 things to do. He wants to take you one step at a time. Start today. Ask him, what is that one step? And then be willing to ask others to pray for you and how you can pray for them. So during this time, you know, maybe you want to go to the back and ask our elders and our pastors to pray for you. Maybe you have never done that before. Today is the day to start something new. Maybe for you today, you want to write something down and you want to put it at the cross and you want to be reminded of the resurrection power because Christ overcame death. And that same power resides inside of us. Or maybe today you want to stand up and you want to praise God in the pain and in the suffering that you're walking through because you know that you can be sure that he is in control and nothing has happened to you this past year that has been unseen to our God. Not one thing that you have felt, experienced, or thought or that has happened to you has been unseen to him. He sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. And today he is asking you, place your hope in him so you can renew your strength and mount up on wings like eagles. 
Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who moves. Even when we can't see it, that does not stop you, God. That you are a God who is for us and not against us. And God, even when it seems that the world is against us and we feel torn down and we feel exhausted that we can place our hope in you. So we come before you this morning, God, and we surrender. Even in the waiting, in the darkness, Father, we know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, we know that you are not contactless and you don't wanna do some curbside delivery, but you wanna right now penetrate our hearts and our minds. God, may we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that is motivated to walk in obedience in all that you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.